So we are here with uh, Dr. Kelly MacArthur, who is a medical sociologist um, and an assistant professor at the University of Nebraska Omaha. So Dr. MacArthur, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? A few years ago, I got particularly interested in this idea of loneliness as a public health issue. Mm -hmm. You know, you started hearing statistics like that loneliness kills more than smoking cigarettes and obesity. Um, and so I designed, I developed and taught a class on the relationship between loneliness um, and health. My actual specific area of research is more on the healthcare side of it, specifically doctors, uh, physicians, and medical students. We have a crisis. Um, they are not well, you know, with increasing levels sure. of burnout. And so my research looks at the different factors of why that is. I point to the main reason of doctors not being well is the loss of connection with patients. You know, they got into this uh, field to be connected and to have these meaningful relationships and to help people. And for a variety of reasons, they're not fully able to fulfill that purpose. There is a culture of silence, um, a lot of competitiveness. And so when people are not allowed to even recognize that they have feelings, much less express them, um, then we shouldn't be surprised when we don't turn out the most empathetic doctors. How do you think that they are kind of trained not to show emotion? Uh, like I said, I think most of it happens in the hidden curriculum. You know, it's not something that's purposely being done. I also think that it's changing quite a bit. Unfortunately, there are structural barriers. The 70s, we saw the rise of third-party payers and insurance companies. Um, and so there's been a loss of autonomy. Um, and then quite simply, it's time. Um, you know, if you only have 15 minutes um, to see a patient, then that's just simply not enough time. Um, and then with the rise of electronic medical records, which were supposed to make things more efficient, unfortunately for most physicians has resulted in the opposite, which is you know, them staying up late um, and working and having to you know, fill out these electronic medical records and rather than focus on the patients. And then with insurance companies um, making the decisions about tests and procedures and medications, it puts a wedge in between the doctor-patient relationship. This is probably a stupid question as a heads up, but why is it important uh, for uh, the doctor-patient relationship to be empathetic? That's not a stupid question at all. We have people like nurses who are trained very differently. And then there's physician assistants and, um, and there's all these other healthcare workers. Do we need our doctors to you know, pay attention to our feelings and connect? But research shows that um, patient satisfaction, for one thing, um, is connected to a whole lot of really important outcomes. Not only is it important for the individual doctor because um, it, you know, it's for their career and for the institution that they work for, but it's actually tied to patient um, like adherence to the doctor's medical regime that they recommend, um, mm -hmm. as well as you know health outcomes. Everything shows that when doctors are more empathetic, the patient outcomes are better. There's an argument um, that doctors should be evaluating patient loneliness. Do you believe that? I really do, and that is um, 
that is what I'm working towards in all of my research. I think that's really? the main purpose. It's already unfortunately been a struggle um, to have our healthcare um, pay as much attention to mental health. When you medicalize something, then naturally the solution is going to be medical. So it's going to be most likely pharmaceuticals. And so would I like to see a pill for loneliness? No. Um, I don't think that would be the most effective way um, to deal with what you know people call the epidemic of loneliness. And in fact, probably say the most prominent scholar in loneliness, uh, John, the late John uh, Cacioppo, his, um, his wife, she's working on a pill for loneliness. It's different from the regular antidepressant, so that'll be interesting um, should that hit the market. So on the one hand, um, I don't, I would not like to see that happen because I think the solutions are more structural that the reason why everybody is so lonely has more to do with our culture and inequality and our social structures. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, um, I would really like to see doctors paying more attention to social relationships. We, we being sociologists, psychologists, political scientists, neuroscientists, we've all known for a really long time that social relationships are incredibly crucial for our physical and mental well-being. Um, so I would like to see doctors, you know, primary care doctors screening for relationships more than just clinical depression and those types of things or saying, hey, do you have any social support? Um, I, in my ideal world, I would like to see like a whole other facet of social health that is related but separate from even mental health. Do you think that doctors would push back on this or would they be proponents of what you're saying? I'm not sure if doctors necessarily will view it in their, as their role to, you know, do what's called social prescribing, as some have called it, you know, to prescribe that um, people join a community garden or, sure. you know, something like that. Um, and I think that there's some incredible doctors um, in different subspecialties um, that do think that that's their role. Um, and so if we, we're not going to be able to make the whole field of medicine tend to what I call social health, you know, and uh, neurosurgeons are not going to be, you know, um, sitting there for 15 minutes talking to a patient about their social support. But we do already have incredible doctors who are paying more and more attention to these types of things, especially with death and dying too. You know, in palliative care, you see a little bit less of the strict medical model. I'm curious about your take now on, on doctors. Obviously, you know, doctors are, are kind of on the front lines right now during this um, uh, COVID-19 crisis. And I'm sure that it's a pretty scary place to be. Like you say, they're, they're kind of, you know, taught to just march on and, and not necessarily voice a lot of emotions like that. But at the same time, they're being asked to do pretty outrageous things by putting themselves in danger, probably their families in danger um, for the well-being of the country. Do you feel like that might contribute to, to their own loneliness? I do. And medical students, um, there's been for like the third year where they're doing their clinical rotations, you know, that's been on hold. Um, and so, because patient care has been on hold and, you know, medical students and doctors really, really want to help people. They are in the business, you know, of doing no harm. Um, and so it's interesting to see the way that medical schools and at the individual level, the medical students themselves 
trying to find ways to help people without being on the front lines. Um, and I think that um, a lot of them bravely have, you know, accepted the role of increased risk. Obviously, a lot of people are isolating or self-isolating right now. And you've recently written an article about this, but do you mind kind of sharing what, what you recommend people do in order to stay connected during this period? If I could just back up a little bit, I mean, sure. the, the psychological model of why we're lonely, once they become lonely, they perceive all social situations and people as threats, you know, which makes them hypervigilant, and, and then that makes them self-isolate, and then that in turn makes them feel more lonely. You know, research shows like meta-analyses that compare different types of interventions for loneliness. Um, they do in fact show that cognitive behavioral therapy is effective in breaking that psychological cycle. As a sociologist, um, my perspective would focus more on preventing it in the first place. I like the analogy that journalist Johan Hari uses in his book, Lost Connections, of junk values, just like the equivalent of junk food, um, that I think that we as a society, globally, but particularly the U.S., that we value the wrong things. You know, that we, everything in our culture is telling us to value consumerism and buying more stuff. You know, think about what self-care tends to look like. It tends to look like doing something for yourself, getting a massage, buying something that because you deserve it. Um, you know, and then we have an incredibly unequal society. You know, income inequality is at an all-time high. And so all the, and when you're constantly comparing yourself to others and because of income inequality coming up short, um, that makes us feel lonely as well. So as far as solutions, right now our greatest community act is to not physically be involved in the community. Right now it's our civic duty to stay home and to physically isolate. Not socially isolate, but physically isolate. Lots of people are doing things virtually over things like Zoom, um, and those are all great for now. Um, but once things settle down, and I'm optimistic and assuming that it will settle down, and this is not the you know end of society as we know it, we need to, as a society, reassess what we want. I'm just worried that the, the mindset of being physically and socially distant is going to become cemented um, into us even long after we've contained the coronavirus outbreak. I agree that, that I think that the problems are more structural. It's not as easy as, as a pill, although I am, to be totally honest, very curious about this pill. Sounds like the, the kind of top things that you would target when you're trying to improve people's sense of connection is the sense of inequality. And I assume between genders, between uh, race and class. And I just think it's important to take the entire responsibility off of this individual, you know, whether it's a medical student or a doctor or just any other person, um, I don't think it should be their sole responsibility to come up with ways to combat their own personal loneliness. So I 100% agree with you. I feel like a lot of times what people turn to is just self-help. And so they'll say, okay, well, I'm going to meditate. And I feel like it's just an increased you know, focus on yourself, which is the opposite of what this is trying to do. Yeah, that same journalist, Joan Hari, he, there's a quote in that book that says like, no, don't focus on you, do the opposite. The more physicality to interaction research shows, the better for health. So 
you know, Zooming is better than emailing, talking on the telephone is better than texting. If you got to post on Facebook or something like that, for now, that's fine. The threat um, is called social evaluative threat, especially for, you know, young teens um, who, if you're scrolling through Facebook, you're constantly comparing yourself to others um, and coming up short. And so again, with income inequality, if you're constantly comparing yourself to someone else and coming up short, that causes shame, which in turn can really affect your physical health. Well, thank you, Dr. MacArthur. I so appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So illuminating. So thank you.